0: There are two readings this morning. Um, The first you will find on page 624 of the Pew Bibles, and it's Psalm 127. Psalm 127 on page 624. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, The guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And the second reading is from Isaiah chapter 61 on page 749, Isaiah 61 beginning at verse one. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, as Tim comes to share your word, may you release the power of your spirit on us. May his words be your words. May you speak to each and every one of our hearts the message you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Daniel. this morning is a little bit different, I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, going through the passages that we've read, I'm going to refer to them, because I want to do something slightly different to uh, a normal Sunday. And one of that is just to take stock a little bit. I just want to say a couple of things as we look at the theme a little bit of where we are and where we're going to do with our vision I need to lay a couple of things on the table about where I'm up to and um, where I think we're up to as a church. First of the thing, as many of you will already know, I'm not ambivalent about the church. I want to say that again. I'm not ambivalent about the church. I love the church and I love this church. There'll be times when I don't love the church the way that I promised to and God's called us to. But I don't consider us to be second best in any way. I don't see the church as somehow a second best offering before God. And that's not just because I'm a vicar and it's my job to be paid and to do all those things that a vicar does. I love the church even though I recognize all its imperfections. I grew up in the church. I grew up as part of a vicar's family. I saw the damage people did to each other and all those things. I'm a realist. I'm not someone who's idealistic in that sense. But I love the church. I need to make that clear before we move on to some of the other things. One of the images of Scripture, one of the images we see throughout Scripture is that of the bride of Christ. God's church is the bride of Christ. God's precious Beloved, radiant, resplendent, and cherished people, chosen by God, chosen by God to represent God to the world. I'm with the person who very, the Christian author, who famously said, the local church is the hope of the world. Not just because I think that and because I'm a vicar, because I think both theologically and practically God's plan for the world is rooted in his church. Now, some of you may sit there and think, well, how do I sit with that? You know, God could have, for example, if you sit there and think, well, God could have chosen to directly reveal himself to everybody and not gone through the church, use the church. But God chose us. God chose you this morning. God called you by name. God chose you. God longs for you, God wants you, and he wants us not just for himself, but also to, to share and to show his love and his purposes to this world, his loving rule and his kingdom. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the kingdom, we'll pick up again next week on the theme of the kingdom and God in more detail, looking at the passage. But we are a church, St. Swithins is a church called to be a city on a hill. Shining to the world that we live in, that's in desperate need of a God who loves them. We're called to shine for God individually in our personal lives. We're called to shine for God in our groups and the different times when we meet up in our groups. But we're also called to shine as a whole church. It's what God has called us to With the PCC, over the last few months and over a period of time, we've taken time to go through a range of processes, a range of things to start to look at who's God calling us to be and what is God calling us to do, who are we to become, and what are we called to do about it. We've taken time. Some people may feel we've taken too long to begin that. Others we think, actually, I'd rather he didn't talk about that, but that's another story. But we're going to take some time to clarify that, to finish that, to bring that to a conclusion over the next period of time ahead of us. It may take a few months, it may take six months to get it absolutely sharp. Because actually we discern what God wants for us, not just as direct revelation, but also in community. It's the way God has chosen to reveal himself to people throughout history. It's how we see in Scripture too. We discern God's voice. We discern God's purposes, we discern God's things together. One of the delightful uh, encounters I had when I first came to this church as part of the interview uh, process for coming here was one of the parts of the interview was meeting a range of people from the city. So I, I was shut, taken into a room where there's about six or seven local people from the city, from different churches, different parts around the city. And one of the things they said when they were talked about describing, they were asked to say a little bit about what kind of church we were. When asked to describe who Walcott is, who St. Swithin's are. So they talked about the home of grace. They talked that the home of being a home of grace in the heart of the city was the vision for St. swithans They knew it. And they said that they recognized it. They recognized in the ministry of the hospitality, of the cafe particularly, but also of opening up this building to be a blessing to the city, that there was something lovely, something great, and something to be celebrated that God has done amongst us. Celebrating what God has done and what God has been doing is a great way, giving thanks for who we are and to recognize we're here because of what God has done. But actually all those things around it misses the point in some way in in reminding ourselves, which we have done over different times, to remind us that the church is the people. I know you know that, I know most of you know that, but the church is the people. And actually there's an amazing group of people that are part of this church. You're one of them this morning. You'll encounter a range of people this coming week people will encounter you and what will they find, what will they discover. So many of us want to make a difference, a real difference for God in our lives day by day. But I'm called. One of the things I promised the bishop, but I also promised to you, is one of my primary things is to shine for God in what I'm called to, in the same way that's true for you. We are God's greatest asset, we are his plan for the world, God has chosen us to use us to represent his good reign, his rule, and his kingdom. So what we discovered as part of that, many of that is well-trodden ground for many of you. And in chatting to a whole range of people over the time I've been here, in listening to people, in taking time to hear what they have to say, and sometimes looking at a history that is long and faithful but also complicated, Life hasn't always been easy. Things haven't always gone right. And that's what happens in life. There are highs and lows in the story of God's people. We see it throughout Scripture. It isn't just one continuous straight line of God blessing us and everything being straightforward. But through those highs and lows, we're called to grow and to learn from them. If I look at my personal highs and lows in my own life, I've learned more from the things that have gone wrong often than the things that go well on a regular basis. Those things, when they have gone wrong, have taught me a new dependency on God, a deeper relationship with God, and also being able to be used by God in all sorts of different ways too. Those lows in our lives, the failings, the frailties, isn't just about collecting more baggage for the journey. But it's about growing and learning, allowing God to free us, to heal us, to draw us closer to him for what he's called us to. As we're reminded of our frailty and of our weakness, so we're also reminded of God's great goodness. When God is on the throne of St. Swithin's, we can be very, very, very good news. When God is on the throne of St. Swithin's, we will be very, very, very good news. When our anxieties, or in our anxieties, or in our failure, or in our frailties, we try and take shortcuts, we try and conform the church to our will, or our purpose, or our image, it will lead nowhere. It's disastrous. We're confused. Everything becomes about me and my ministry, what I'm up to. Yet, as James reminded us a couple of weeks ago in the evening service, it's as we worship, as we give our life to worship and surrender ourselves to God afresh on a daily basis, that God constantly reorientates our lives, our life away from self-absorption, but one to sacrifice and laying our life down for others. So how do we go from where we are? As part of, uh, some of you may in trying to make sense of where we are. Just a quick recap, when we came here a year or so ago, we had a gift day to raise some money uh, for the church, which the image I, we have in our mind, or I had in my mind, is about 1 Corinthians twelve about 12, about being the body of Christ. That one body, many parts, and we want to be a place, a whole place, where every generation, every people, every part of this church is part of this church. One body, many parts. And with, before I came, with the appointment of James, subsequently, in replacing Yen, um, in bringing Yen in as part of replacing Domi, and also looking to appoint a children's and family workers who feel called here, what we're doing is we're saying, we want to be good news to all. We want to be good news to Walcott, and we want to be good news to the city, to anybody who might be in this parish. Now, if you're not particularly Anglican here this morning, uh, I just quickly say, and I talk parish and lots of Church of England language, I apologise. But essentially, we have an area that we get, we, it's one of the things that we get an opportunity to say. How do we minister to that area? How do we reach them? How are we drawn to bless the city and to bless our parish? Some of you may remember that, uh, and uh, you may have been slightly sort of side, taking a sidebar to the annual meeting. Uh, We spent some time looking at different pictures we have of the church, using some resources that were available, and saying, "What are we like?" If someone's to try and explain, what are we like? And there were six pictures I asked us all to say, what are we like? Are we a hospital where people come to be cared for? Are we a cruise liner where people are on an enjoyable adventure together? Are we a lifeboat going out into the world to rescue people who need to be rescued? Are we a training camp where we get equipped and trained for what God's called us to? Are we a battleship equipped for the battle that we find ourselves in? Or are we a social club where we meet and enjoy each other's company? Both at the APCM but also as part of the PCC. And part of what we've agreed is that we're seeking to be a church that can reach all. That we still want to be a hospital but we also want to be trained and equipped to reach the lost. To care for all those who are outside this building. And to equip us to be Christians in the workplace too. And obviously that means that it's going to be changed. There are things that are going to be different about us as well. So what's ahead of us? So what does that mean is ahead of us? I'm very happy to say, and without any kind of degree of side to what I'm saying, I think we live and we're part in this most amazing parish that we get to serve and to bless. Diverse beyond our capacity to reach it full of age differences, social differences, business differences, class differences, residential challenges. But for us to be fruitful, for us to be fruitful in this parish and the city, to find our place means that we do need to constantly be reminded to center our lives on God. To cope with that level of diversity, to see God begin to touch lives from Snow Hill to the Royal Crescent, from the university building to the Walcott Street traders, from the residential stuff, from all those different parts of it. We need to listen to God. We need to give in time. And we need to ensure that our lives are being centred in and around Him and not ourselves. We need to be a church who longs to grow in our relationship to God and in our relationship to one another, that we grow in confidence in who God is and actually have a desire to do something about that, to grow in living a life by the Spirit that each one of us uniquely is called to be. A friend of mine came to visit um, couple of weeks ago who had been about 18 months ago and one of the things they said as they came round again is said you know there is potential everywhere in terms of this parish and reaching out to that but the question is still where is god calling us to reach out and how do we connect with all those people in this city psalm 127 is a fabulous psalm It's a fantastic psalm that reminds us again and again that unless God is at the center of who we are and what we're doing, we are laboring in vain. And there's nothing more soul-destroying in life than laboring in vain. One of the things I did before I became a vicar is I worked for a very long period of time in the NHS. And... Actually, it was generally a fantastic experience working for 15 years uh, in the NHS, worked with some amazing people and some extraordinary things, part of it. But there's also a huge part of what I had to do was going through the motions of doing stuff that really made no difference whatsoever. I was paid to do it. I had to do it. I wanted to concentrate doing lots of things. Labouring in vain is not what we're called to But as we spend time with God, as we spend time in his presence together, as we worship together, as we serve together, as we give together, as we pray together, as we study God's word together, we start to become more familiar with who God is. We start to become more familiar with his ways. We start to become more familiar of what it might be saying to me personally, not just to someone else who's a really spiritual person. That actually God may be speaking to me and my life about my family, about my workplace, about my challenges and my things that start to enable me to hear from God and to share that in community with others too who can help discern that together. What is God saying to us? What is God saying to you in this season of your life? And what is he asking you to do? What is he asking you to do? I'm sure he's asking you, he's asking me to do lots. But maybe he's not asking you to do lots. But trust me, he's asking me to do lots. Psalm 127 reminds us that only when God is at the center... Only when God is truly at work building that we can be truly strong, that will last for eternity. We may well be concerned as the psalmist is and the people at the time where they were concerned about their buildings, they were concerned about their security, and they were concerned about their families. Those three things have not changed in two, three thousand years almost but as we we entrust those things to God's kingdom, to God's perspective, to God's purposes, then we know we're doing something that will last forever. Unless the Lord builds St. Swithin's, the people labor in vain. One of the things that uh, I constantly love about being part of the church and be part of God's body is that the way God sees things and the way we often see things, I'm always challenged that God sees things very differently to the way we sometimes see things. We're so prone to judge things on outward appearances, however Christianized we might consider ourselves to be. We're so prone to want to look at someone's CV or look at someone's gifts and to put them on a pedestal and think they're the one who's going to save us. But God sees the whole picture of our lives. God sees what we can be. God sees what He wants us to become. Even when that includes our failure and our brokenness. I haven't got time to talk about it this morning, but one of the things many of you may have heard about that the kingdom of God is often described as the upside down kingdom. It's the upside-down kingdom. Those who want to be first will be last. Those who are last will be first. And if you're sat here this morning thinking, I can't be used by God. I can't contribute anything to his kingdom or to this church. I want to say to you this morning, there is hope this morning wherever you sit. However bad your life may be, and however poor a Christian you think you might be, however weak you may feel, however confused you might be feel might feel this morning. I wonder what God says about you. He may want to lift you up, and He does want to lift you up rather than to pull you down. Isaiah 61 is one of the great passages of the Old Testament that we see and I'm preached on a couple of weeks ago uh, in the evening looking at the beginning of Jesus' ministry also in Luke 4 that Jesus quotes at the beginning of his ministry in Luke 4. It's such a fabulous, rich passage expressing who Jesus is and what he came to do as the Spirit of God anointed Jesus to bring good news. And if you were going to do nothing else over the coming couple of weeks, but to meditate on these verses, these first three verses of Isaiah 61, about what God anointed Jesus by his Spirit to do. Meditate on those verses. See that actually what God calls people to do isn't the way that so many of us look at the world too. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has anointed me because He to proclaim good news to the poor, He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. It's the same Spirit, it's the same Spirit who's at work today in yours and in my life. It's the same Spirit today who fills us with the life of God that filled Jesus with his life. So where do we go from here? Where have we got to? I'm just going to take a bit of time just to talk about a few uh, bits of where we've got to. Firstly, there's a few things in trying to come up with um, some words or some messages. Those who've worked with me in the PCC and others will know that I can veer this way and that about certain things. So uh, do be patient. It's going to take a bit of time to fine tune it. But there's a few things I want to say about what I think we're called to be and what we're called to do that I need to say. in getting to where we've got to, There's some givens. The first is to say this, is that firstly, everybody has a part to play. This is not one vicar working incredibly hard or one church warden working really hard and everybody else doing their little uh, sitting around watching them work really hard. We all have a part to play. We are all called by God. We all have a contribution to bring. In churchy terms, it's every member ministry. We're all called To contribute, to minister to one another, and we all can do that. All of us has a contribution to bring, all of us has something to give, all of us will enrich this church by serving and giving together. Now, something I'd like to say as well is that sometimes it takes a bit of time to find how to fit in. You may be sat here this morning and think, well, Tim, I hear those words, but that's not what I feel. I feel on the outside somehow. Things are going on in the inside somewhere, and then I'm on the outside. How do I change that? I'll well, actually, part of the journey over the next six months, or even less than that, is working out how we do that. How do we find people who feel called, who feel want to serve, that feels like we're a square peg in a square hole? It fits, it's good. I get life from doing stuff and serving together. Yes, it's costly but it's a cost I'm prepared to take because I feel impelled and called to do it. I don't feel as I'm doing my duty or doing a favour to the church. Actually, I want to make this contribution to see this church grow and flourish, to make a difference for God as we journey together. Secondly, uh, one of the underpinning things I just want to, to reiterate, whether you're a Christian individual Christian, whether you meet in a group, or whether you think it's the whole church, this is a load of jargon but I need to just remind us that in our Christian life always points in three different directions we have a relationship with God so between me and God we're called into relationship with one another in and we're called a relationship to the world out that we generally call mission and actually we're called to all three dimensions at the same time we're called to be in relationship with God all the time we're called in a relationship with one another all the time And we're called to give out into the world all the time. And actually, it's not about one or the other. It's not about either or. It is about trying to hold the tension of living in those three different ways at the same time. Because that's a place where I found over my Christian life, I've been a Christian about 40 years, but obviously as an adult for only about 20, 30 years. That's a place where you find maturity. That's a place where you find wholeness as we pay attention to those three different parts of what we're called to. And, and the third thing I'd just quickly say, before I put some things on the screen for you to start to think about, is I've made a real conscious effort not to use lots of Christian, Christian language uh, deliberately. Actually, what we want to do is connect with people outside the church who want to come into a relationship with Jesus. We're not trying to prove that we're an okay church. What we're trying to do is bring the good news of Jesus to a world who desperately need him. And so actually, this, that's, that's where we've got So what does it look like so far? I'm going to offer, uh, these are, this isn't the final version, but this is, this, is, this is where I'm at at the minute. James, do you want to give you a chance just to put, here are three statements that are beginning to get close to um, where I think uh, I'm at, or where I think we're at, firstly is this, is that fundamentally we're called to discover, we're called to celebrate, and we're called to share the good news of Jesus. We're called to discover, we're called to celebrate, and we're called to share the good news of Jesus. All of us have more to discover about who God is, it's whether you're in the church or outside the church, that's a continual life of learning with God. We're people who celebrate and have things to give thanks. We do that together in community together. We have something to celebrate all the time. There is more joy when one sinner repented. And we come in the context of worship with that knowledge that celebration is the heart of our community. But also we're all called, the church is always called in every generation to share that good news and to find ways of doing that of sharing that good news of Jesus. We don't live in a generation. We don't live in a generation as a, in, a, in this country at this time where people are flocking to say, do you know what? I want to follow Jesus every day. The last time someone came up to me from nowhere and said I want to become a Christian was when I was about 19 from nowhere. I was saying to someone this week, someone just came up to me and said I want to become a Christian from nowhere. I botched it. I said, oh, I'll find a friend who can pray for you. I didn't quite know what to do. But that was the last time someone from nowhere came up to me and said do you know what this jesus i want to know him so there's things about how we connect and how we get to to share the good news of jesus the second one is that everybody has a contribution but we want to build a church that is a, a thriving place a place of life of god's life and i've chosen the word thrive because i like the word thrive <laughs> It's a variation on words that's about peace and shalom in the Old Testament. But, and it's about being in community. Uh, but it's about a place where the life of God is present, where people want to come, want to connect with God, want to connect with each other, and want to serve together to make a difference in this world. And the last, last one was the one we had an interesting conversation about. And for me, this gives us nowhere to hide if we agree this. We're here to serve the communities of Cup, Bath, and the world. We're called to lay, our, to lay our lives down for others outside this building. That's what I'm suggesting we do, both here, both in our global mission, but also in our mission to the city, too. Um, We'll take some time. We're going to get in conversation over the next period of time about uh, where we are with this. This is where we've got to so far, and I wanted to have an opportunity to to talk about that, to set that in stone. We'll set up some meetings. We'll get in conversation with groups and see where that takes us. But I want to. Uh, this is the little bit I just quickly say in coming to a conclusion. The other thing I do, would love to do, as part of the same process, to agree uh, some values that we live by. Uh, This sounds a bit businessy, but I I just want to, and there's a lot of them. (laughs) So, but I, I, everybody else, when I talked to the PCC, wasn't that enthusiastic about the number of them in them, somewhere. But I just want to give you an example of why I'm enthusiastic about them. So, two things, I'll just say quickly. One of which is, I am absolutely clear that we are a word and spirit church. We're not a word church, and we're not a spirit church. We are word and spirit together. And actually we're called to hold the tension of living in that tension where we are both about word and spirit. We're not about either or. We're not about going one way or another about that. We're about holding that territory where we we are rock solid in the sense of being evangelical, but also we are charismatic as well. That's essentially what I was trying to say. If none of that means anything to you, then we've got some time to work that out. The other thing I'd quickly say right at the top and this is a plea, really, I have said it at PCC quite a few times, and I'll, I will say it, is um, the great prologue in John's Gospel um, that we read at Christmas, Jesus full of grace and truth. We're called to both, together. We're not called to try and be gracious to people, then, then sort of say a few truths. We're called to be together in that. We're called to live grace and truth together. It means that we've got to find a way of communicating and talking about who God is without trying to kill each other. There's lots of things we could disagree about. But actually we want to be able to find a way of talking about God, talking about what we know of God, talking about scripture, talking about the challenges in our society that it's about truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But at the same time, he's always gracious. And we will disagree. So we need to find a way of doing that well and to find a way where it can be an environment where we can do that well. I'm going to send some things out um, as part of that, so you will get invited into the conversation about that. Uh, so I'll write out in the next couple of weeks, begin a process where we start to talk about it and work where we go. But one of the other things I just want to um, occasionally I have over a period of time to try to help us understand a little bit more. Um, about what I'm trying to talk about. I don't always communicate that as clearly maybe as I could. I offer a book to people to, to try and wrestle a little bit harder with where we are. And some of the stuff, particularly around the values, is I really want to recommend this. I've got, you can have a copy. There's about 40, 50 copies. Um, I heard the chap talk about 10 years ago. He's a person that I think is really worth listening to. And it's called Both and. And it's living a Christ-centered life in an either-or world, and the de- desire and the need for the church not to try and take comfort in doing one thing rather than the other, but to hold the whole of life together of what God's called us to, of being both people who love God and love one another too. So there's some copies on the side there, and I'd encourage you, if you want to explore it a little bit more, work out where I'm coming from a little bit, that will help you. It's written for North American context, So you might need to do, and you will find some of the things you disagree in there, and that's okay. I'm not asking you to agree with me on everything. uh, But actually, you'll find that useful and challenging, I think. Okay. I'm just going to be still for a minute. I just wonder whether you could close your eyes. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you this morning for you've called each one of us by name. Do you know everything about us? Do you love us? And Father, I pray, would you over this next period of time of our church life, would you help us to hear from you in our own personal lives and what we might need to do, what you're calling us to, about how we find that place of community, a richer community that's beyond just meeting on a Sunday as we investigate things like house groups, but also that we continue to inspire us as we gather in your name. Would you help us to see what part we can play, what part we can contribute, how we can join in, how we can live the life that you've called us to and you want for us. Help us to refine it, help us to hear from you. And by your spirit, would you fall afresh upon us, I pray, and minister, not just think about your grace or think about what you're saying to us, but would you minister your grace afresh to us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you draw us deeper uh, into your purposes and to who you are? Would you set us free from some of the thinking and some things that prevents us accepting who you say we are? and enable us to live out our inheritance as your people. The children of God, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Thank you that you're at work, have been at work in this church for centuries. Thank you for what you're doing amongst us now. In my frailty and our frailty, would you lead us forward, Father, into your purposes?